championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. You're home for everything Lakers. This is the Lakers Nation live off-season show. If you're listening to the LakersNation.com podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, make sure you follow us there. Of course, if you're watching the live show right now, you're joining me on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope. Fantastic. Throw me your questions and comments. We're going to get through a lot tonight. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. The NBA season right around the corner. Unbelievable that here we are, we're about a month away from the season starting up again. Even preseason basketball, I am ready for it. I just want to see the Lakers get back out on the court, and hopefully, fingers crossed, they will be healthy. In case you didn't notice, it is a solo show tonight, just me. But as always, it's never just me. It's me and all of you. So toss me your questions, again, from YouTube, Facebook, Periscope. Let me know your thoughts. And don't forget, guys, make sure, if you're not doing this already, subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. We've got new content coming out there every single day, keeping you up to date with everything going on in the world of the purple and gold. And also, do me a favor. Go follow me over on Instagram, at TrevorLaneNBA. I am growing that account, or at least working on it, figuring out Instagram and all that. So make sure you guys go check that out as well. LakersNation.com Fantasy Football League has been filled. We are right now putting that league together. We're going to do our draft in just over a week, and I think we will live stream that draft so you guys will get to see who uh, who picks where and all that kind of stuff. So it should be a lot of fun for everybody who applied. Appreciate it, and uh, we did fill our league with our nine members plus myself, uh, Matt the Optimist Peralta, and, of course, Ron Gutterman. All right, let's see what we've got coming in here. Got a lot of people making comments here about Rajon Rondo. Yeah, we do need to talk a bit about him. Notice I've got my Rondo jersey up in the background. That's the one that I had to buy because of you guys. Because all season long, I guess season before last, when the Lakers won their championship, we talked about Rondo's three-point shooting, his struggles defensively, the age, all that kind of stuff. And the one qualifier was always, well, but if, if playoff Rondo exists, then... All the ill will that we had for Rondo during the season, it all won't matter. It doesn't, none of it matters if Rondo shows up in the playoffs. And I said, I don't think playoff Rondo still exists, though. I think he's he's a thing of the past. But if he does, Lakers Nation, I will buy a Rajon Rondo jersey and wear it on our next show. And that is that jersey right there. Because sure enough, playoff Rondo showed up for the Lakers in 2020, helped them win an NBA championship. Very, very cool. And I'm so glad that I was wrong on that one. But Rajon Rondo, Ramona Shelburne today on ESPN Radio mentioned that Rondo is a strong candidate for the Lakers should he get bought out by the Memphis Grizzlies. I do believe this is the reason why we're seeing so many roster spots being held open. Right now, the Lakers have three. We've heard they're only going to use two of those roster spots. I think one of them is earmarked for Rajon Rondo if he indeed does get bought out by the Memphis Grizzlies, which Part of the reason why we think this will happen is because the Grizzlies have 17 players under contract right now. You can't do that. Once the NBA season is going to start up, you've got to cut your roster down. You can only have 15. So they have to rid themselves of two players, whether it's via trade, whether it's cutting somebody, buying somebody out, whatever. They've got to get their roster down to 15 
sooner rather than later. And so at some point, we think the decision is going to be made to simply waive Rajon Rondo. He doesn't make a lot of sense on that roster, a very young roster. Sure, maybe he could be a mentor or something of that effect, but it seems likely that he would get bought out. And if that does indeed happen, what you don't want to hear is Rondo is traded because then he could wind up going somewhere that will keep him. But if he gets bought out, I think it would be very likely that he goes to the Lakers. Look, he's already in L.A. He was playing for the Clippers last season. He's got a history with the Lakers. If he signs on with the Lakers, then he doesn't have to move across the country or anything like that. On top of that, you have a chance to win a championship, playing with LeBron James, playing with Anthony Davis. Now, I've had a lot of people messaging me lately. I've been getting DMs on Instagram. I've been getting messages on Twitter. People have been saying, what about Russ and Ronda? What about that argument, right? During the playoffs in 2020, which by the way, what was it? A year ago now, just a year ago. Isn't that incredible? It hasn't been a full calendar year since the Lakers won an NBA championship. It's been 10 months since the Lakers host hoisted that trophy. Crazy. Feels like so much has happened between then and now, but that argument between Rajon Rondo, Russell Westbrook, Rondo's family that was there, right? All of that kind of stuff that was happening when the Lakers defeated the Houston Rockets. Won't that be a factor? I don't think so. I don't think this is a Westbrook versus Patrick Beverly thing where Westbrook felt like Beverly was trying to injure him, trying to hurt him, maybe end his career, right? All of those, that sort of animosity is wrapped up into that. With Rondo, look, they're jawing at each other a little bit on the floor. That happens all the time. Stuff like that happens. Haven't you guys ever had situations like that where you you get mad at somebody for a little bit, you say a few things, you blow off some steam, and then you're fine? I think that would be more the situation here with Rondo and Westbrook. I don't look at that as, oh, you can't put those two guys together. They don't like each other. No, I don't think it's quite that far. It's not like a Westbrook and Patrick Beverly situation. So I don't think that would be a deterrent to the Lakers bringing in Rondo. And what would he mean for them? Well, he would mean... Another ball handler that can be out there on the floor. Another guy that can take the ball out of the hands of LeBron James and Russell Westbrook when need be. He is, as Matt the Optimist Peralta calls him, an innings eater. Somebody who can step in during the regular season and at least give you competent play in the backcourt. Who can run and organize an offense. Great off the floor, too. He is a brilliant tactician. I'll never forget, he was the, the driving force behind the defense that we saw in Game 6 of the NBA Finals. A lot of that was Rondo coming up with the different schemes and things, and that was a tremendous defensive performance that helped win the Lakers an NBA championship. So I think there's a lot of positives about bringing Rondo back. You can also talk about the continuity. Rondo having experience with the Lakers, knowing what it's like to be with the franchise. Yeah, he wasn't with them last season, but there's still so much there that he already is familiar with LeBron, familiar with AD, familiar with Dwight. He knows these guys. He knows this coaching staff. He knows how things run, and that can help because you've got a lot of guys coming in who don't. A lot of guys who haven't played with these players quite yet, who haven't played in the purple and gold, or who haven't played in a long time. Talk about Kent Bazemore, Trevor Ariza. A lot has changed since they were wearing that golden armor. So I think Rondo can help you transition some of the new guys in as well. Do I need to say any more? At this point, Rondo, I think if he does hit the market, he should be the pick over a guy like Isaiah Thomas, over Darren Collison, over Mike James or Tim Frazier. And you can make arguments for all of those guys. I'm not saying they're terrible players, but Rondo, I think, just checks more boxes. And so he'd make a lot of sense as a pickup for the Lakers. Uh, I've got some people saying, no, Rondo. Look, I, I'm not saying Rondo 30 minutes a night. I'm saying Rondo... Every couple of nights he gets in there and he helps you out. Maybe he's playing 10 to 15 minutes a night. I'm not saying you're leaning on him. We're talking about one of the last positions 
on the roster, right? We're not talking about a guy that is going to be getting 30 minutes a night, even 20 minutes a night. We're talking about a guy who's going to come in, fill a role, and that's about it. Uh, Ramon uh, Fars from Facebook said, who do you see the last spots going to, Trev? So I think I think one of them is going to Rondo. I think that's going to happen. It just feels like there's too much pointing to that happening. So I think one goes to Rondo. The other one, I would love to see James Ennis. I think he makes a lot of sense. We're hearing Paul Millsap is looking for a bit more than a veteran minimum. Lakers can't offer that. Okay, that's that's fine. James Ennis, though, I think would be a great fit defensive wing well he's an average defender on the wing but shoots well from three shot above 40 percent last season that's something the lakers can use and i really do look at this roster and i say man they they need more wing depth that's what this team needs right now is another wing player particularly one that can shoot the three and james ennis to me checks that box so not just because he's a good shooter but because of his positional fit i like him as the other person if you're going to bring in two give me rajon rondo Give me James Ennis. Again, this is with the assumption that Paul Millsap is off the board if he is indeed looking for more than the mid-level exception. Uh, but one of the things that I want to talk about tonight, it's something I've been thinking about. I started writing a piece for Lakers Nation. That's right, for writing uh, a piece for LakersNation.com about this uh, last night. I want to talk about risk. And I want to talk about what the Lakers have done over the last few seasons. So you win the championship in 2020, right? You, you hoist number 17, you win that championship, it's great. The knee-jerk reaction for most franchises is, well, this worked, run it back. Don't do anything. Bring everybody back and let's do it again. The Lakers didn't do that, right? Rob Palenka talked all about complacency. He talked about not resting on their laurels. He talked about how that can be the death of a franchise. And he went out and made moves that, in my mind, on paper, last season's Lakers, on paper, they were better than the championship roster. They just were. On paper, I think they had more talent. It didn't fit quite as well, and that was a challenge. And then the injury bug was merciless with them last season. But on paper, I think Rob Palenka made improvements. Again, though, it did not work out the way they wanted it to. So Rob Palenka's big plan of we're not going to rest on our laurels, we're not going to just uh, run it back with all the same guys, it didn't work. They get bounced in round one of the playoffs as just everybody is basically hurt. Nobody can hit a shot. And yet after that, what did everybody say? What did every player, almost to a man, except for Montrez Harrell, I believe he's the only one who did not say this. Every other player said, run it back. Let's do this again. We didn't get a chance to find out how good this team really is because of injuries. Look how many games they won to start the season, and then the injury bug really took his toll, right? So if we get a full offseason, let's find out what this team can really be. Rob Polinke even talked about how external factors were, the, he thought, the driving force for the Lakers' demise this past season. But he didn't run it back, did he? Rather than, than say, you know what, last time I overhauled the roster, maybe made too many changes. I'm not going to do that again. We're going to try to keep continuity. No, he didn't go down that path. Instead, he said, I was right to do what I did last time around, and I'm doing it again. I am going to tear this thing down, and if I see an opportunity to add talent, that is what I'm going to do. Look at this Lakers roster. How many guys are back from last season? What, it's LeBron, AD, THT? Marcus all that's about it, right? <laughs> the entire rest of the roster 
has been turned over. Throwing caution to the wind. And you know what? This is the thing. Last year, midseason, I had so many fans who were saying, Rob Plinka messed up. This was a huge mistake. He should have never done this. And here he's doubling down. So this is a risk. This is a risk for Rob Palenka. This is a risk for the Lakers. And I know right now during the offseason, it's really easy to get excited. And just, we tend to think everything that can work out is going to, right? Because that's what makes us fans, right? We want to think positive things about our team. We want to think positive things about the Lakers. And so we look at it as though every single player is going to reach their potential. Every single player is going to contribute in a meaningful way. And that just isn't true. It doesn't happen, right? We always look at, oh, well, okay, this guy shot 42% from three last season. That means he's going to do it again next season. No, that's not necessarily the case. And by now we should have learned our lesson with that because it seems like whenever somebody puts on that Lakers jersey, their three-point percentage drops by like 5% for whatever reason. It's maddening. But I think we should note the risks that Rob Palenka has taken here. Because again, right now, and I don't want to be Debbie Downer here, but right now, it's very easy to look at this roster and say, man, Russell Westbrook, he's going to prove everybody wrong. He's going to prove everybody wrong out there that is saying this is not going to work. And this old Lakers roster, they are going to be motivated right? They are going to be out there trying to show everybody that they are not too old to get it done. All the fans out there for other teams saying this is going to implode. Everybody's saying this is the AARP squad. No, they're going to prove them wrong. They're going to show what wisdom can really do out on the floor. They're going to show what chemistry means because these are all guys who don't care about their next contract. They know they're veteran minimum guys and that's what they're going to get. Look, I buy in, right? I'm here for it. I agree. I can't wait to see this team out there on the floor. But remember, not everybody is going to hit. Not everybody is going to fulfill their potential. We look at this roster. I'm seeing articles being posted right now by multiple sites saying the Lakers have too much depth. What are they going to do with all these guys? How are they going to keep all these guys happy? Well, you know what? Not everybody is going to work out. Mid-season last year, Wes Matthews, who was one of, I thought, the big additions of the previous offseason. Wes Matthews, Markeith Morris, who was incredible in the playoffs in 2020. They had to be benched because you couldn't rely on them. They didn't perform. We're going to see that from some guys. Some guys are not going to live up to their potential. That's just the way it goes. Not everybody is going to click. And you know what? Hey, if I'm wrong there and everybody does, great. I will love watching it. I will love saying I was wrong. Everybody, everybody is firing on all cylinders, but that is just not typically the way NBA teams work. So I think we have to mention this. We have to talk about the risks the Lakers are taking, the guts that it takes in order to say, no, not only, even though we didn't get the result that we wanted, the process was right last time around. Our decision-making was right, even though it didn't turn out the way we wanted. And we believe in it enough to do it again. That takes a lot of guts. That takes a lot of confidence. It takes a lot of belief that what you're doing is the right thing. And so I'm curious to see how all this comes together for the Lakers, but I do think we have to mention that they are taking a risk here, right, in assembling the roster roster the way they did. But you know what? No risk, no reward. The Lakers now have a big three with Westbrook, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis, and let's go. I can't wait to see them put it all together. All right, let me get into some of your questions and comments. That was my little rant about risk. Here's what, okay, so Leroy Long from Facebook said, everyone has to sacrifice. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And that is where I think this team this year can differentiate itself from last year's team, right? And I'm not saying last year's team was, was totally selfish, but let's face it. There were some players that were very worried about their next contract. There were some players that were not, their primary goal was not championship. Their primary goal was not hoisting that trophy number 18. Even if they might say it, their primary goal was, what are my numbers? What's my next contract going to look like, right? That dynamic, I don't think, will exist this season. I don't think we're going to see that this season because you don't have that many players that are in this situation anymore. And so I think we're going to see guys who are willing to sacrifice, guys who have said, you know what? My career, look at guys like Carmelo Anthony, right? Who can say, I've gotten so far in my career, but I've never won the whole thing. So whatever it takes, if that means I play 15 minutes a night, if that means I play 30 minutes a night, it doesn't matter. If I play 10, if I have to set out a game, whatever it takes to win a championship, that's what I'm going to do. And that's the mentality I'm expecting this team to have this year. And I love, love, love that I can reference Dwight Howard with this, right? Dwight Howard was the guy coming in with the Lakers a couple seasons ago where we said, we don't know. Can he make the transition to be a role player? It's not an easy thing to do, right? To no longer be the guy and to be okay with not playing as many minutes. And look, give Dwight all the credit in the world because he was excellent with that. Up here, mentally, he game in and game out was locked in. He did exactly what the team needed him to do. Looks like, yeah, sometimes he committed some stupid fouls and things like that, right? But that's just Dwight being Dwight. That's okay. That's him being a physical presence for you. That's fine. But what he did is if he was on the sideline, he's the biggest cheerleader. He's the loudest cheerleader. He's doing everything he can to keep his teammates fired up. If he's on the floor, he's giving you everything he's got. And it didn't matter which was which. It didn't matter if he was out of the game or in the game. All he cared about was what can I do to help the team win? And you give him all the credit in the world for that. And I think that mentality is what we're going to see a lot more this coming season with the Lakers. And it's so, so important. And frankly, it was missing way too often last season. Uh, Bryce Bogdanek from YouTube said, can we talk about Nunn more? Yeah, you know what? We do need to talk a bit more about Kendrick Nunn because I think when we talk about Rajon Rondo, Isaiah Thomas, right, all the rumors that the Lakers are looking for another true ball handling point guard, I think it informs us a little bit about how they view Kendrick Nunn. And I think it's telling us that they see him as more of a score first guy, which look, that's not a stretch because that's really what he is. Um, almost like a two guard in a point guard's body, which is fine. That skill set is totally fine in today's NBA, and it's something that you can need, right? You you can use that. But I think the fact that they're looking for another guard tells us that you know what, Westbrook, LeBron, we're not comfortable with those two guys being our only real creators. We want more creators. We want more guys who are going to get the ball to people in scoring position, and we don't know if Kendrick Dunn is that guy or not. So we want to make sure we bring in another player. I think that's the lens that they're viewing Kendrick Nunn through. But again, when we look at some of the better deals of the offseason, I think Kendrick Nunn is one of them. $5 million for him, 26 years old. Guy can light it up, shoots well from outside, crafty getting into the paint, I like him a lot. Again, score first player, but the question mark is going to be defense. How well can he lock in on, on the defensive end of the floor? I've seen some people even floating the idea out that you start 
none alongside Westbrook. Now, I've been saying for a while, I think it's going to be Bazemore. I think we're going to see Bazemore starting at the two because defensively he fits. He's got the three-point shooting, but you know what? It's becoming more and more of a thing, right? Ball handling, the NBA is a copycat league. We're seeing more and more teams employ two ball handlers at the same time out on the floor. They put them out there together. So if none can play off ball with Russell Westbrook, and I think that's in his wheelhouse. He's shown it. He can do that. Don't count him out of a starting spot. If he can show that defensively, he's not a big step down from Kent Bazemore. I would expect Kent Bazemore to be the better defender. But if none can show that he's not a big step down on the defensive end of the floor, he could be in line to win a starting role alongside Westbrook. I think it's interesting. I don't think it's going to happen. Again, I think Bazemore gets it. But I think it's something that we shouldn't just write off. Uh, Sonic Fighter 25 with a super chat. Thank you. Do you think the spots will be filled by training camp? Absolutely. I 100% think they will be filled by training camp. So we're talking about a few weeks. Within the next few weeks, we should know. Um, I think two of those spots get filled. One spot gets left open for the buyout market, which, again, I expect the Lakers to be one of, if not the top landing spots on the buyout market. Who knows who's going to get bought out? Keep an eye on Kevin Love. I still think if that does happen, if he gets bought out by the Cavs, I feel like he's probably Lakers bound. Now, again, a lot can change between now and whenever he gets bought out. So don't quote me on that. Don't just say it's a done deal. But as of this moment, I think some think it would make a lot of sense for Kevin Love to land with the Lakers if he does wind up getting bought out. Uh, Sheldon Butler said, we got Monk. Yeah, that's the other guy, right? That's another guy who... It's kind of the wild card. And I like this, right? I like having a young player like this where we don't know what his potential is. The ceiling is pretty high. He's a very talented player. Defensively, needs some work. Needs some work defensively. He's not the defender that Ken Basemore is, not even close. He's not the defender that Kendrick Nunn is. He needs a lot of work defensively, but this guy can score the basketball. I've got him coming off the bench because of that scoring role that he can take on, and because you can give him the ball and let him attack into the paint a bit, I've got him coming off the bench, but his ceiling is so high still, and he's so much of a wild card, that he could play his way into that starting two-guard spot as well. But I do want to be careful, because, look, there is a shiny new toy effect, right? Kent Bazemore, we've been seeing him forever, right? Kent Bazemore has been around for a long time, so everybody knows what he is. Kendrick Nunn eh, has a little bit shine here, right? Where we don't have quite as good, but we have a pretty good sense of what he is. On the other hand, Malik Monk, yeah, I mean, he is he's the mystery box, right? We don't know exactly how he's going to fit with this team. We don't know exactly what his ceiling can be alongside this roster. So the tendency for us, because we're going to be more optimistic, it's the offseason, we're going to assume that he just hits. That everything, everything that can go right for him, it's going to go right, and he's going to be this incredible fit and this major steal that the Lakers got for the veteran minimum. Look, I would love to see it play out that way, but I'm not going to assume that's how it goes just yet. So that's why, if it's me, I'm penciling Ken Bazemore in as the starting two with the kind of acknowledgement that, look, Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk, these guys could change that dynamic. Uh, Fear No More makes a good point here. Says, we don't need all the new players to hit. We just need Russ to hit. Russ, a rested LeBron, and a healthy AD will be enough. You know, 
I agree mostly. I agree mostly. So Russell Westbrook hitting matters more than, say, getting role player X to hit, right? More than, say, Rondo coming in and showing that he still has something left, right? Russell Westbrook hitting matters more. Russell Westbrook hitting matters more than, say, three or four role players hitting. Like, if you could tell me three or four of the guys they signed are just not going to work out, but Russ is, or you can flip that and Russ isn't going to work out and three and four of the role players don't or do work out, yeah, give me the Russ side, right? Russell Westbrook hitting is the most important thing. Them figuring out a way to mitigate his shooting woes, figuring out a way to make him an efficient player and really maximize his skill set alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Because remember, if Russ hits, that's going to help LeBron hit. That's going to help LeBron stay healthy for the entirety of the season because Russ can do some of the heavy lifting. So I agree with you there. I do think that you still need some of the role players in order to hit because in order for Russ to be Russ, guys have got to knock down shots. If the Lakers and I know they brought in a lot of shooters. Pretty much every guy that they brought in shot 40%, if not higher, from three last season. But if those guys go cold, then Russ has problems. Then he's dealing with a packed paint, which is what we saw last season. So it's important for Russ to be able to really be at the top of his game. Everybody else has got to perform as well, or at least a decent amount has to. Because if they don't, again, if they're not hitting shots, teams are going to catch on to that, and that's going to be a problem. So it is connected. But I do agree that in a vacuum, Russell Westbrook hitting matters more than anybody else, not named LeBron James or Anthony Davis. Uh, Alvin Febbles with a super chat. Thank you. Uh, from YouTube said, is Paul Millsap a realistic option? I think he'd be a great fit and backup for AD. Uh, he is if he comes off the I want more than the veteran minimum thing. If he If he does that, if he says, I'll take the veteran minimum, then yes. I would absolutely bring him in. I have him at the top of my list in terms of free agents right now. I think he's a nice fit. I think he's a guy that can run a little bit of small ball five. If Mark Gasol is indeed, which Mark Stein mentioned, uh, you know, as a possibility, if Mark Gasol is out the door, then yes, I, you're putting the full court press on Paul Millsap saying, hey, come here. Your role is going to be set. And I think that's the other piece to this. It's not just the money for Millsap. Millsap could be in a position where he just kind of lets the dust settle, where he just waits to see what happens around the NBA. Maybe somebody gets hurt because he wants to know that he's not going to come in and just be the veteran that's going to sit on the bench all season long. He wants to go someplace where he will have a steady and consistent role. And so I do think Millsap is a realistic option, but I could understand why he would be hesitant right now with the roster set as it is with LeBron James, with Anthony Davis, with Carmelo Anthony, with Mark Gasol, with Dwight Howard, with all of these guys eating up minutes at the big positions, I could see why Paul Millsap will be saying, well, wait, where's, where am I playing then? Where's the room for me? But if suddenly say Mark Gasol was gone, I think the Lakers would probably land Millsap pretty quick because then the Lakers could say, Hey, backup center role. It's yours. Here you go. They could offer him that. Uh, Sonic Fighter 25, another super chat. Thank you. Uh, do you think Wes is still an option? I've heard absolutely nothing about him anywhere. Plus, Lakers haven't done a thank you send off yet. Pretty strange. Yeah, well, they haven't done a thank you send off because he hasn't signed anywhere. You notice the guys that they did the thank you send offs for were all guys who had signed somewhere else. So, Wes is technically still a Laker. They still have his rights, even though he isn't under contract right now. They still have his rights. So, he's not with another team. So, they're not going to do a goodbye for a guy that's technically still there 
Um, could he take up one of those roster spots? Sure, he could. But wouldn't it be done already? Like, if the Lakers had him near the top of their list, I think it would just be done. I think they would just already have him sign. They wouldn't be looking around elsewhere. So I think that Wes, maybe he becomes a fallback option, but I feel like the Lakers are waiting to see what else shakes free. Look, we talked about it already. The Memphis Grizzlies, right? They've got too many players under contract. They're going to have to cut some players. They're not the only team in that situation. Some teams are going to make cuts, and the Lakers might just be sitting back and saying, okay, let's see who shakes free. Let's see who gets cut. Maybe it's somebody that we weren't anticipating that suddenly jumps out onto the market, and then we can swoop in with our open roster spots. So... I think if the Lakers really were determined, hey, Wes is our guy, it would already be done. Okay, maybe they still wind up there, but I think they want to see what else is out there as well. All right. Let's see what else. Uh, Lake Show from YouTube. Let's see. Oh, we've got Ash MK from YouTube with a super chat. Said, Westbrook is set to make $47 million next year. What are the chances he'll agree to restructure his deal similar to something like Chris Paul? Okay, zero. Well, okay, hold up. Never mind, I shouldn't say zero. But if you're using the word restructure, the chances are zero because that doesn't exist. They can't restructure the contract. What Chris Paul did and what Westbrook could do, okay, and you're right in this, is... Chris Paul opted out of the final year. He had a player option in the final year of his deal, and he opted out. Russell Westbrook could do the same thing. Now, the final year is $47 million. It's a lot of money to opt out of. But Chris Paul, you know, fresh off of getting the Suns to the NBA Finals or helping getting them there, uh, their best season in decades, he knew, look, the Suns are going to pay me to keep me around. So it's going to make sense for me to opt out and then sign a new longer term deal. Whereas if I just opt in, who knows what money's gonna be there for me afterwards. Yes, I'll get my 47 million or whatever, but after this, how big of a contract am I gonna get? So Russ, if he has a really good season, maybe he does opt out and then wants, like Chris Paul did, a longer term deal. Say he wants, I don't know, a four year deal or something like that and the Lakers are willing to go there. But that's what would have to happen in order to lower that cap hit from $47 million. See, for us, it would be, do you want $47 million in one year and then you're a free agent and you can figure out what you're going to make after that? Or we'll give you $120 million for four years. So you're making $30 million a year. So you're making less per year, but you've got that money secured into your future. So how much money do you really think you're going to make when you're 33 years old or 34 years old, right? And you hit free agency again, do you think that big offer is going to be out there or not? So that's the decision that Chris Paul had to make. In theory, Russell Westbrook could do that as well. A little bit different because he's a few, year, few years younger than CP3, but that's essentially what have to happen, okay, in order for, for Russ to do that. That being said, regardless, it's probably not going to free up cap space or anything for the Lakers. We're just talking about what does the contract end up looking like? How much are they going to pay in the luxury tax? Stuff like that. It's not like suddenly, you know, Russ is going to, I don't know, take 10 million a year over four years or something rather than 47 million for one season and they're going to free up cap space. That's not what's going to happen. Uh, Sonic Fighter 25 said, if Gasol leaves, I don't hate Cousins as an option. Agreed. Agreed. I think, look, if Gasol leaves and the Lakers have the mental approach of, 
we really wanted that skill set. We wanted that three-point shooting big that can pass a little bit as well. Like, Boogie Cousins fits that. Um, unfortunately, he also has the same negative attributes as Gasol in terms of the slow foot speed. You've got the injury risk there, um, that sort of stuff, right? That's your concern. Defensively, he's going to get put in pick and rolls like crazy, all that. But if the Lakers said, look, we really want a true center that can be a three-point shooting player for us, that can stretch the floor, then Boogie Cousins, I feel like, would be a natural replacement for Marcus Gasol if he leaves if that's indeed what the Lakers want, a true center who can shoot threes. Maybe they don't. Maybe they go, hey, Paul Millsap, you can play small ball five for us, and we're okay with that. We're going to get a little bit more versatility on the perimeter, a little bit better foot speed. Not that he's quick by any means, but we'll get a little bit better foot speed in exchange for dropping down in size in the middle. So maybe that's the route they go. But if they're looking for a like-for-like switch, if Gasol leaves, DeMarcus Cousins, to me, would be a very um, natural transition. Uh, Mark Spencer from YouTube said, do you think we have any interest in Jeremy Lamb or Rondo? I do think there is interest in Rondo. The Jeremy Lamb stuff, it doesn't make a lot of sense right now. He's a $10.5 million expiring contract. Jared Dudley just decided to become a coach with the Mavs, so the Lakers can't even use his contract in a sign-and-trade anymore. Trying to make that happen, it's all but impossible. Plus, Lamb's coming off of injury, so what we heard is the Lakers, and this is from Jay Michael of the Indianapolis Star, um, the Lakers want to wait, and other teams want to wait to see if he's actually healthy, but maybe come the trade deadline, something comes up. I think most likely we're talking about next offseason. So just a name in my mind to file away. Don't forget the Lakers may have had some interest in Jeremy Lamb this offseason. It's also one of those things where it, it could have been where the Lakers had interest in Jeremy Lamb three weeks ago, four weeks ago. They contacted the Pacers about potentially working something out. And then the Lakers went, oh, wait, we just landed Malik Monk and Ken Bazemore. Okay, we're good. Well, the Lakers did have interest in Jeremy Lamb at one point, and so then the two just kind of stay connected. And then we this report kind of trickles out later on. So we don't we can't say with any certainty that they are still interested in him right now. But again, just file it away for when he's a free agent next offseason. I don't see a very clear path for them to get him right now. Uh Luis Malave of Trev was Westbrook traded with bird rights. Uh yeah. Yeah, they'll have his bird rights. They can go over the cap to keep him. There's there's no question there. They'll be fine. Ryan Doherty from YouTube with a super chat. Thank you very much. Uh, could Jared Vanderbilt be an option? I haven't heard anything about that. I haven't heard anything about that. Uh, Andre Leva from YouTube with a super chat. Trevor, are we continuing developing Costas? Uh, no, Costas signed with another team. I believe it was a Greek team that he signed with. So he's gone. So no more. He had already played a couple seasons under the two-way contract. So he's out the door. The other name, though, to consider is uh, Devontae Kaycock. Do you bring him in with one of your final roster spots if you really need a big? He's undersized. But uh, if you saw him in Summer League, it was very clear that he's better than a Summer League player. He shouldn't have, He was at a higher level than most of the guys in Summer League. Um, not to say that he's a guy that would get a lot of minutes, but that's another name to throw in there to consider. I'm seeing a lot of people say DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, I mean, look, we've, we saw that rumor earlier today that he might be done with the Brooklyn Nets. And if that's true, uh, maybe worth kicking the tires there if Marcus Gasol does leave. But uh, he doesn't quite have that same um, 
burst that it used to, certainly. Uh, Jorge Rodriguez from Facebook. What's your expectation for our rookies this season? Do you see any of them making a rotation spot? Uh, honestly, no, I don't. And that's not, that's not me trying to say I don't think they're good. That's not what I'm saying here. This is a very veteran-heavy team. I don't think there's going to be a lot of minutes for the rookies. And by rookies, we're talking about uh, Austin Reeves. We're talking about Shondi Brown. We're talking about Joel Ayayi. We're talking about Mac McClung. Those are the guys who they've signed so far. Um, these are guys who, two of them at least, uh, Shondi Brown and, uh, and Mac McClung, those guys will be most likely with South Bay Lakers. So Austin Reeves, Joel Ayayi, are they, are they really going to make their way up to the full-time Lakers? I don't see them doing that with any kind of consistency. And again, that's not a knock on those guys. I think they're both talented in their own rights. I think that they could be guys to develop for the future, but this is such a veteran heavy Lakers team. I'm not expecting anything out of those guys this season. I think they're guys that you assign them to the G League, you let them grow, you let them develop, and if they turn into something down the road, then great. But I don't see them being guys that are going to step in and contribute right now with the full-time Lakers. Uh, Davis Painter with a YouTube uh, super chat said, assuming Russ and AD play the whole first quarter, what lineup with Braun and Dwight would you like to see? So I don't know if that's going to be the true rotation, but okay, let's, but let's walk down that path here. Russ and AD play the entire first quarter. So both of them are out at the same time to start the second. That's the situation we're in. That's the scenario. Dwight Howard's in the game along with LeBron James. And we're talking about what the ideal lineup around those guys would be. So I'm going to put Malik Monk on the floor with them for his shooting. I think a Wayne Ellington could do the same, open things up there. And then I'm going to throw a little THT into the mix. Now you do have a shooting issue there with THT sharing the floor with Dwight Howard, but he's been working on a shot. I think THT, the versatility will help you out there. Gives LeBron another ball handler to throw the ball to. I liked a lot of the dump off passes. If you remember this last season, the connection between THT and Montrez Harrell. THT would frequently get into the paint and then look for Trez to finish things off for him. I think you could see a similar relationship built between Dwight and Taylor Horton Tucker. So that would be my grouping at this point. I'd go uh, technically you'd have LeBron at the four. Dwight would be the five. THT would be the three. And then you'd have Malik Monk and Wayne Ellington out there manning the guard positions. Now, defensively, maybe you've got some question marks there, but just in terms of some floor spacing, that's probably the group that I would look at for right now. Uh, Mr. Easley from YouTube, which player with the super chat, which player do you think will surprise you the most this season? Okay. I'm hoping it's Taylor Horton Tucker, right? Because fans around the league, non-Lakers fans, cried foul when the Lakers gave him the contract that they did. They said he's not worth a three-year deal worth, what, 37-ish million. He didn't prove anything. Why would you pay him that much? Well, it's a bet on his upside. It's, a bet on his, it's exactly what the Celtics did with Robert Williams. It's a bet on his upside. That's what THT is all about. So I would love, and we saw, remember the preseason last year, THT, oh man, he burst onto the scene. He looked incredible. He was killing people. I would like to see THT make that kind of leap. Okay, I'd like to see 
the jumper come around because if that happens, wow, things are going to open up when you can't sag off of him anymore. And he's still a tremendous guy at getting to the rim. Only now he's got defenses playing up on him. Ooh, that could be a very, very dangerous player when you look at his skill set. So I think he's the guy that surprises us because you'll have a lot of fans around the NBA eating crow on that one. That's been a very criticized move. Not quite as criticized as the Westbrook move, but I think the THT is the guy that can really make the leap next season and surprise us by a lot. Um, after that, I think Trevor Reza still has something left in the tank, and he's got a lot to prove there. So he's a guy that I think could play more minutes than some people are expecting him to. So that would be another one to keep an eye on. But my guy's THT. I think THT is a guy who could really surprise us. And if he does, he could bring the whole team up a whole other level. That's my guy. Uh, somebody said, how about THT starting at the two guard? I think there's too much skill set duplication between Russell Westbrook and THT in terms of both of them being guys that just want to put an insane amount of pressure on the rim. And so that's why if it's me, if I'm Frank Vogel, I am breaking them up. I'm putting THT on the floor when Russ is not because they're going to do similar things. Now, I'm not saying THT equals Russell Westbrook. That's not the case. But I'm breaking them up as much as possible because I just think they're they duplicate each other in terms of what they want to do out there on the floor. Kyle Roberts from YouTube, the Super Chat, thank you, said, I know we're going to miss Jared Dudley, but he has to understand that we're looking for a 3 and D guy and Rondo and possibly a buyout guy, don't you think? Yeah, so you know what? Jared Dudley made his comments to uh, Bill Plaschke of the LA Times, and we did a video earlier today about this, Ron Gutterman and I did, and we talked about how Jared Dudley, he said the Lakers made, made the wrong choice that they're looking for youth more than they should be. Which, yeah, it's weird on the surface, right? Because the Lakers are the oldest team in the NBA. People are saying they're way too old, right? They can never get it done because they're so old. All that's happening. So I get that. Um, but I think Dudley's talking about the last few roster spots. And I think that tells us that if Rondo gets one of the roster spots, maybe look for a young guy that's kind of a surprise to come in and get the other one. Um, that they are looking for younger bodies. It also tells us that the Lakers are looking for somebody that they can put out of there on the floor because that's the drawback, right? Dudley, Jared Dudley is great. I, I love, I've interviewed Jared Dudley multiple times. He's phenomenal. He's a great guy to talk to. I love the way he breaks down the game. He's so honest about everything that he, that he says, all the things that he talks about. But the reality is you can't put him on the floor a lot. I think he played 81 minutes last season. He's not going to spend a lot of time on the floor. And so I think for the Lakers, they're going to be looking for somebody with some young legs so that come January, come February, the dog days of the season, LeBron's taking a night off. You've got a few of the other older players that need a little bit of rest. You can throw some fresh legs in there. Jared Dudley, whether it's, whether it's October or April, that's not going to be him. He's not going to be the fresh legs guy to go in there. And so that's what I think the Lakers were looking at. But again, that being said, I'm sad that Dudley's gone. I think that what he does provides a real value to a team. It really does. What he does in terms of being that glue guy in the locker room, that's so important. And so not having him there, his absence will be felt. But I also understand why the Lakers would go the direction that they go. And just like we understand why Dudley would feel that was the wrong move. Everybody's entitled to their opinion there. 
All right, let's see. Damon Long from Facebook. If LA could have flipped Schroeder for a younger talent, then Dudley may have had life as a player. Wish we could have transitioned him into a coaching role. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen him stick around. But here's the here's the reason why it didn't work. The Lakers didn't have a front of the bench coaching spot, and the Mavs did. Right now, I'm not saying that the Lakers offered him a coaching role because that's not what we've heard or anything. But even if they had, they didn't have a front of the bench spot. Jason Kidd did with the Mavs. So that's I think that was going to win no matter what. Right. Um, as far as had the Lakers been able to flip Dennis Schroeder, yeah, that's, you know, we said that if the Lakers lost Dennis Schroeder for nothing, that would be a negative. And you look at what they've done. They've managed to build a team despite that happening, but it sure would have been nice to have been able to get something for him. And maybe this is where you look back and you say, man, they should have traded him at the deadline. I mean, look, that's that's where THT really breaking out this season can make us feel a lot better about their direction with that trade, with not taking the Kyle Lowry deal. But yeah, in hindsight, it definitely looks like they should have shipped out Schroeder for something, for something at the deadline. But of course, you know, who could have foreseen the way this all played out? Not even Dennis Schroeder, obviously. Otherwise, he would have signed that big contract from the Lakers. Mr. Easley from face, uh, from YouTube with a super chat. Who leads the team in points and assists? Uh, I think they're the same. Well, do I want to say they're the same guy? I think Russ is going to lead the team... I think Russ leads the team in assists. And I think LeBron's going to lead it in points. But that could be flipped. <laughs> you could you could easily convince me that it's the other way. I, I'll say this. I don't think one guy is going to do both. I don't think Russ is going to lead in both. And I don't think LeBron is going to lead in both. I think one of them will lead in one thing and the other one will lead in the other thing. I think that's what we're going to see happen. You could say Anthony Davis maybe leads the way in points. If we see, and this is another big question mark for the season, what Anthony Davis do we see? Do we get the rundown Anthony Davis that we saw last season? And I don't think this is going to be the case, but the guy who didn't get a full off season to prepare, do we see that guy? Or, or do we get the AD that we saw the season before? That was a monster. And then when he hit the playoffs, oh my goodness, we saw MVP level Anthony Davis in the playoffs. Do we get that guy? If the Lakers get that guy, he could very easily lead the team and score. That could happen. But in the absence of that, I'm going to say it's LeBron gets one of those things, Westbrook gets the other. Okay, we're going to do a couple more. Some people have been asking tonight about Avery Bradley, if he's another guy that the Lakers could turn to. Sure, in theory, he's a guy they could turn to. I don't know if he's somebody they really need right now based on their rotation, but defensively, yeah, you could definitely you could definitely turn to him if you decide you think he's a good fit. Uh, do you think Russell will win MVP? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think not only would he have to, he would have to average a triple-double again, I think in order to win MVP. And I don't think it happens this season, given the personnel the Lakers have. And the fact that he's playing with LeBron and Anthony Davis, people will discount whatever he does because of that. So I don't think he wins MVP. Uh, Sheldon Butler, Davis is going to have fun this season. Yeah, so there's a couple things there, right? Like Russell Westbrook, I think is going to have a very big impact on Anthony Davis because AD is the best big that Russ has ever played with. And Russ can throw those lobs. We didn't see those lobs last season. 
I'm really excited to see how those two guys combine. We've seen LeBron and AD work together, and it's it's pretty, right? I'm so curious to see what Russell and Anthony Davis together is going to look like. What that one, four, or five pick and roll looks like between those two guys. Oh, it's got so much potential just with the sheer athleticism of, of uh, Russell Westbrook and his ability to get to the rim. Those lanes for Anthony Davis to dive to the rim, they are going to be open, and I can't wait to see what that looks like. I am excited. All right, let's do one more. Let's do one more, and then we will call it an evening. Somebody said the pick and roll. Absolutely. That Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis pick and roll. I can't wait. I can't wait for it. Uh, people asking about Mello. Yeah, look, I think Mello will be... He'll be good. I think he'll be solid. I think he's a guy that you can put in the corner. He can knock in the three. You can give him the ball late and trust him. I think he's going to be solid for the Lakers. 37 years old. He's not a guy that I'm going to look to feed a ton of minutes to. But I think he's proven that he can still get it done. And again, this is to his credit. Just like I talked about earlier on in the show. I talked about how Dwight Howard, how just so happy I am that he was able to make that transition from being the star, being the guy, to being a role player. We didn't know if Carmelo Anthony could do that either, and he's proven that he can. And so I'm really excited to see what kind of role he can take with this team. He can definitely shoot the ball. He can provide you that spacing. So I think he's going to have a good season because he's the kind of guy that's going to be better playing alongside LeBron, AD, Russell Westbrook. Why? Because he's going to get open looks. And yeah, look, he's, he doesn't have the athleticism that he used to, but he can still knock down shots. That's He's going to be 50 at the YMCA knocking down shots. That's never going away. So I think Carmelo Anthony is going to have a nice season for the Lakers. All right, guys. Appreciate all of you coming in here. The comments are still flowing in. A lot of people talking about Melo. Some people saying he's going to average 15 to 20 points. I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think that's going to be the case. Hey, all right. I like this too. We'll finish with this. Mike Rodriguez. So Trevor, I enjoy NBA front office too. Yeah, if you guys don't know, myself and Keith Smith, who's a Celtics guy, so it's a little bit of an odd couple thing here. We have the NBA front office show, the YouTube channel. We break down the entire NBA. So we talk league-wide mostly from a salary cap perspective, but we break down everything going on around the league. So if you're not subscribed over there, go subscribe to the NBA front office YouTube channel. We got that going just a couple of months ago, kind of expanded the podcast we were already doing. And it has been, I mean, blown my mind how successful this has been already. We are so humbled and so thankful for that. So if you want to get news on the entire NBA and not just the Lakers, don't get me wrong. We, I love talking Lakers all day, every day right here, but Check out the NBA front office YouTube channel as well. Would really appreciate if you guys go subscribe to that one. Somebody else said front office is awesome. Thank you. We, we truly appreciate it. And we have been so blown away by all of the positive uh, words that people have shared with us. Just how many people have told us that they love what we're doing over there. So we absolutely are so excited to continue doing that on that show and big things to come.
All right, everybody. Appreciate you joining me tonight. We'll be back on Monday, same time. We'll go 8 o'clock Pacific time. We'll talk more Lakers basketball as we're getting ready for the season to start. Just start the season already. I'm so excited, just like so many of you. I'm so excited for the season to finally get going once again. Make sure you do subscribe right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe and see you.